This week at church, Pastor Robin McKinley talks about the light of the world. You can join us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for free coffee, free baked goods, a worship service, and a sermon to follow. The church is located by the Coventry Mall on Laurelwood Road. In a couple of weeks or so, we are going to be starting our Kids Crusade, the last week of this month, which I believe is the uh, 27th, okay, which is the 27th, Monday night, Monday through Thursday night, and uh, we're going to have puppets for our Kids Crusade, we'll have snacks every night, we'll have, uh, we're, we're doing the theme of the I Am's of Jesus, Jesus said I Am, so Probably for the rest of the summer, I'm going to key in on that on Sunday mornings, uh, who Jesus said he was. But I, I just want to make sure that I let you know and our t television audience that um, the Kids' Crusade is coming. The last night of the crusade will end with a 24-foot banana split. That's always a fun time. Okay? And uh, then the very next Sunday, which is the first Sunday in August, I think it's the second of August, we are having our open house for our new children's center, and you don't want to miss that. Yes. We, we've had uh, some people helping with paintbrush in hand, and uh, we'll, we'll say more about that as the time comes, but uh, it's, it's looking good. It's getting ready. Our puppet team is practicing, and they're going to do some uh, puppets for us on that day. But uh, it's going to be a wonderful day and uh, the start of a new children's center here at Calvary Christian Center. Amen. Okay. So this week we're going to start out with Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now, Cindy spoke last week and uh, she mentioned how darkness cannot exist in the presence of light. And she used the example of being in a cave in Kentucky, Carter Cave. And when you're in the middle of that cave, they turn the lights out, and you cannot see a thing. You can put your hand in front of your face, and you can't see it. The, thi the darkness is so thick. And it kind of reminds me of the plague back in the Old Testament when the Lord sent darkness over the land of Egypt. They couldn't see anything whatsoever. It was thick. Um... But just a, a little bit of light in that cave, and everybody would be able to get out of the cave safely and without incident. And that's what light will do to darkness. Light will always penetrate darkness. I mean, have you ever gotten up in the middle of the night and stomped your toe on the bed or door jam? Oh, man, I did that the other night. After I did these notes, I, I, I got up and I, I stumped my toe on the, uh, the edge of the door, and, and I thought, oh, that hurt. And then I noticed the lights were still on, too. So I guess it happens in the, in the light, too. <laughs> oh, I hate to admit to that. <laughs> well, you know, darkness can be a dangerous thing, especially when it comes to spirituality. And John chapter 8 talks about Darkness abounding even at the beginning of the dawning of a new day. 
Jesus is confronted with this woman who is told to be, a, be caught in adultery. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, and we're going to start looking uh, with verse 2. At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have basis of accusing him. Well, this is one of the more diabolical schemes or stories in the Bible. And it really uh, reveals the depth of decay, the darkness, I mean the depravity that's found in the hearts of men. Here we find the spiritual leaders of Israel... Men who knew the law of God intentionally plotting to trap Jesus. And they did this by setting up a woman to be humiliated and even executed for their own personal cause. You know, good religious men gone bad. Wouldn't that make quite a, re a reality show? Good religious men gone bad. Well, their pathetic brand of religion was challenged and threatened by Jesus. I mean, it's amazing how people respond when their religion is challenged. But let me tell you something about Christianity before we go any further. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship. Unfortunately, though, these actions still persist today among churchgoers. Well-meaning people doing things in God's name that God would never himself do. Instead of fighting for truth and a genuine relationship with the Lord, we fight for our religious comforts and our religious traditions. That's amazing how low a person will go to, to stoop to protect their religion. And how quickly... They'll sell out their relationship because of religion. So let's take a look at the plot here. The plot was to put Jesus in a no-win situation. Present him with a situation that he can't solve. Either without breaking the Roman law or breaking Jewish law. So what was the ploy? They bring him a woman caught in the act of adultery. They ask him to judge her appropriately. The thing, though, is Roman law forbids Jews from condemning an adulterer to death, while Jewish law demanded that the adulterer be condemned to death. So they wait for what they think is just time. It's early in the morning. Everybody's there. Everybody's gathered around Jesus, good-sized crowd. They want to hear what Jesus has to say. 
And their thinking is, we can defame him, we can discredit him, we can diminish Jesus in front of all these people. Huh, they're pretty smug. Yeah. They just knew they had this foolproof plan. You know, self-righteous people generally think that way? Yeah. They can't see the plank in their own eyes, and little did they know they were setting themselves up for failure. So we got the ploy here, the predicament. First of all, where is the man? All right? Could Jesus could have looked at them right away and says, this is hogwash. How can you catch a woman in adultery? I mean, did they break into her bedroom in the middle of the night and wake her up and say, we caught you? She's saying, what? I was just asleep. No, it takes two to tango. I mean, it was an obvious trap from the get-go. Or else they would have thrown the man into the ring with the woman. So what, well, what did this mean? This meant that either the woman was not actually in adultery, which the Greek is pretty clear about that she was, okay? Or one of the Pharisees or one of his acquaintances was involved in some extracurricular activity. They didn't think their plan, though, uh, through very well. They were so intent at getting Jesus, they didn't realize they were sabotaging themselves. You know, hatred, revenge, anger, basic dislike, distrust, will usually do this to a person. They get those things in their mind, they get those things into their intentions, and everything else is blinded around them. They'll cause you to do or say something that you will regret. Or it'll cause you to do something rationally that will incriminate yourself. So the first question is, Jesus, what are you going to do with this woman? The second question isn't quite as obvious, okay? Because it comes in the form of a statement from Jesus. And here Jesus is under fire from the religious, uh, so he stoops down and he starts to write in the dirt. They press him, so he nails them. Here's what he says. Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger, but they kept on questioning him. He straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Whew. Wow. Is it okay ever to sin, or is it ever okay to sin I mean, Jesus is asking this. Is it justifiable to commit a sin to reveal a perceived sin? I mean, can I tell a lie just to draw out your sin? Um, 
Is it ever permissible to break the law to prove a law? Some people think so. But you know, to God, it's never okay. Sin is sin. It's not okay to sin to get a sin to be revealed. In fact, here's what the Old Testament says in Deuteronomy. The Bible tells us that if a man brings a false witness with the intent of incriminating an innocent person, he has just committed a sin punishable by death. I mean, the Pharisees had broken the law. And they both knew the law, and they knew that Jesus knew the law. This text is not about judging the woman, as some have, have said it is. It's about the deceptive and the depraved nature of man trying to snuff out the light of the truth. Jesus deals with their sin. He confronts it and he condemns their tactics. They knew the law. They knew they had broken the law. And Jesus calls them on it. Yet as he confronts them, he doesn't condemn them, but he extends his grace to them. So let me ask you a question. How do you respond to others when you believe a mistake or an injustice has been made? Are you quick to point the finger? Are you quick to make a con condemn, uh, bring condemnation against them? Are you quick to blame? I told you so. How do you respond to a situation you disagree with or, or don't understand? How do you typically respond when the Lord confronts you with the truth? Wow. Well, some people change their ways when they see the light. I mean, God just puts a light on them. All the shadows are moved out of the way. And we say, thank you, Lord, for clearing the way for me. Others only change when they feel the heat. Well, I said that, but I really didn't mean. In this instance, the Pharisees knew they were caught. Yet while Jesus turned up the heat, he handles them redemptively. So, point number two is a real short point, but there's a revelation here now. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. Wow. Jesus deals with her with grace and with honor. He treats her redemptively. Jesus always deals with sin the same way. He loves the sinner. He hates the sin. We also learn about his grace. Jesus in no way condoned sin in her. Yet he didn't condemn her. Rather, he exposed her to the light of his truth and invited her to embrace 
his light. He released her from the bondage of her sin debt. And he commissioned her to walk in the light of truth. He said, go and sin no more. This is God's desire for us. That we embrace the light of God's truth and walk away as changed people. I pray that many times before a service. Lord, change us to be more like Jesus. And the prayer is, in essence, saying, shine your light on us, Lord, that the shadows of sin can flee and we can walk in your light. Well, there's a declaration, point number three. Verse 1 tells us that Jesus arrives early in the morning at the temple to teach and minister to the multitudes. Now, this was the morning after the final evening of the Feast of Tabernacle, a feast to commemorate the pillar of fire that led the Israelites through the wilderness. It actually involved two ceremonies, the pouring out of water to commemorate the water that came from the rock and the illumination of the temple. At the beginning of the feast, huge candelabras were lit in the temple at night. They were elevated above the temple courts, illuminating the entire area. And this was done to remind the people of God that his guiding light in the wilderness was there as a promise to them. The light rep represented the Shekinah glory of God, the very presence of God. And it's interesting, at the moment, the light of the feast was extinguished. Jesus, the light of the world, shows up in all of his glory. The Pharisees and the teachers, the, they missed it. They missed the point. They've just extinguished the lights commemorating God's presence and the hope of the Messiah's return, yet they don't have a clue that the Messiah is right there in their midst. There were people waiting in darkness. Then Jesus speaks up while the charred torches are still smoking. He exclaims, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light that leads you to the promised land. I am the light that exposes the darkness around you and then reveals the truth of God. I am the light that is available to all men, whether Gentile or Jew. All too often, friends, we are all blinded by our own sinful nature. But Christ is a remedy that is offered to rescue us and free us from all darkness, allowing us to share in the true light, a light that points us in the right direction protects us in times of trouble, provides for us times of need, in times of need. So 
I have three little blanks for you right at the end. And I did that because some of you just like to fill in blanks, okay? Jesus declares God's presence. Jesus discloses God's protection. And he indulges, uh, divulges God's provision. So if you missed it, it's presence, protection, and provision. You know, here's what the psalmist says in Psalm 43. He says, send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. You know, a granddad was walking in the woods with his grandson, talking about the things of life. And the granddad asks, do you know where we are? And the grandson says, no, granddad. And the granddad asks, do you know where we're going? No, granddad. And the granddad says, well, then I guess you're lost, aren't you? And the boy smiled and said, no, granddad, I'm not lost. I'm with you. Do you know where you are? Jesus is the light. He came into the world to expose the darkness. He came into the world to reveal the truth of God. He came to heal our blindness, to redeem us through his presence. He is the light of the world, the single source of the truth of God. So let me ask you, are you trapped in darkness? It might be an inappropriate relationship. It might be a drug or alcohol or some other form of substance abuse or addiction. It might be depression or fear, constant anxiety. All you know for sure is that when you look into your soul, when you look into your life, you see darkness or you see pockets of darkness in your life. If that's you, man, I've got good news for you. Jesus is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. And he's passed this light onto all who would call upon his name. And this morning here at Calvary Christian Center, we're going to give you an opportunity to walk into his light. To let that light shine into those dark places in your life. Not a condemning or judging or an ostracizing light, but a light of hope, a light of direction, a light of promise. In just a moment, if that's you, I'm going to give you a chance to walk into that light, to step into his light. But let me just talk to some others here. Maybe you know that you've been charged with being in the light. Maybe it's your workplace or it's your home or in your neighborhood. But your testimony or your lifestyle has been anything but light. You've, 
got this thing hanging over you now. Well, I've got great news for you. Jesus was ready to relight your candle. Yeah. Or recharge your batteries. Or flip your switch back to the on position. However you want to say it. He wants to come to you with forgiveness and grace. To offer you the opportunity to once again be light in a dark and dying world.